This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Consulting, leading experts for assessing and transforming management, sales, culture, and team performance. Learn more at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Manage Smarter Podcast. We're so glad that you've come to listen to our next guest, who's Tom Pacioretty. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm C. Lee Smith, the President and CEO of SalesFuel. Pacioretty, I, did, I, I uh, pronounced it correctly, right, Tom? That's correct, just the way it's spelled. <laughs> like the hockey player, although it's spelled differently. That's right, that's there right. You go. Uh, and, and thanks to him, um, you know, I'm getting a little bit more uh, recognition, but it is spelled differently. Especially now he's in Vegas, yeah. Yes. Awesome. Well, everybody, Tom has, for more than 25 years, last 15 with his own firm, Broadway Advisors, Tom has been a turnaround consultant and crisis manager. This is a topic we haven't talked about at all, crisis and turnarounds, helping financially troubled companies and their stakeholders. His more than 50 clients include, listen to this, Barney's New York, Cal Fruit Eagle, Trend Technologies, Z Gallery, that was a big one, right, Tom? Mm-hmm. In Easy Lube, Tom and Broadway were recipients of the Turnaround of the Year Award for their work with Z Gallery, a $230 million retailer of home accessories. And candidly, I could buy the whole store. Like, I just shouldn't go in there. I love Z Gallery so much. Yeah, and, and, and you know, this is a fan, it is a family business. And in retail, as we're seeing with Sears right now, good lead into what's going on for today, is in retail, typically, they don't survive. But this family... They just got a little bit over their tips, and we'll talk a little bit about it as we okay. get into that. But they're a wonderful family that put it together, two brothers and a sister, and I'm glad you're still shopping at Z Gallery. They do yeah. a great job. That was part of the turnaround plan, actually. Number one on the list was get more get people like Audrey. Audrey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I Look know. Those people, you know get, get some more, right? I got yes. to buy some more stuff. So. Well, Tom's taking all of his wisdom. If you want to find him, look him up. He's uh, starting a new career as professor of entrepreneurship at Santa Monica College there in Cali. So that's where you are right now. So where do we start with this, I guess? Oh, I want this one, Audrey. You I go want ahead. This yeah, because, Huge you know. Topic. Well, right now, it's like you know, Amazon is putting hurt on, on mass retail. And whether it be Macy's, Penny's, Sears, who just recently declared bankruptcy. Um, you know, so I guess my, my question to you, uh, Thomas, would be, okay, let's say that you were charged with out of the blue then to come in and, and try to turn around Sears. Do you take the job? And then if you do, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, it's a really great question. Here's, here's what happens. And I think it's good for all managers to take a look at these things is I come from a sales background. So it's not, I'm not a CPA. I didn't come from the consulting world. And I got into turnarounds and workouts as a consultant uh, late in my career. So that would be like in my 30s. The number one thing you do in every single situation is I need a cash flow forecast. So it's called the 13 week and why 13 weeks? It's a quarter. So everyone wants to know how much money do I need and when do I need it? And the only, (laughs) I listened to uh, a gentleman who recently passed away was one of the great turnaround artists in terms of uh, not only turning around businesses, but buying them and turning them around. And he also bought the uh, Seattle Supersonics, mm. the basketball team, and then turned them into Memphis and those things. Um, Mike Heisley. And he said, if I can run a business cash flow positive, I can run it forever. Has nothing to do about profit because that's a little machinations that going on with accounting. Mm-hmm. So it's all about your cash. And 
what'll happen is that in this particular case, let's look at Sears and what's happening into those retailers. Their vendors, their people they're providing their, uh, their products to are saying, you got to give me money up front because I'm not, I don't trust you for your credit. Mm -hmm. So therefore, this cash conversion cycle, meaning the time between I collect money and I have to pay money, gets shorter and shorter. And so I can no longer run the company, if you will, on the back of my vendors, meaning I can stretch them out in terms of terms. So it's all about cash. So all the managers out there, if I walk into any company, regardless of its size, what's your cash flow forecast? And in 99% of the time, they say, we don't have one. So that's the first thing I'm asking for. And that gives me my length of my runway. And at that point, it's just like, it's cigar box accounting. It's like your house. If you started not being able to make your payments in your household, what are you going to do? You got to start selling stuff. Hey, honey, let's go to the garage. What can we get rid right. of? Let's put right. it on eBay. Let's do on this. So I could begin to create this cash. And in the meantime, that keeps me alive. And now I've got to either increase sales or decrease costs. Or both. Or both, or both. Uh, at the end of the day, you're going to have to sell something. And, and, you're seeing in bank, and you're seeing in Sears' example is they're closing yet another 150 stores. They currently have 70,000 employees. I mean, this is an, this is a pension a liabilities too. They have a huge pension liabilities, as is you and I as uh, taxpayers, because that pension is guaranteed by uh, the PBGC, the Pension Benefits Guarantee Corporation in Washington. Let's go upscale just a bit. Then. There you go. Okay. Sorry uh, to bring you all down on that. No, that's like, what about Macy's? I mean, Macy's, you know, department stores all over, over the world. Yeah, such a great one. I think the ones that, um, a little story here. So when I was running Strouds, um, this was in 2000. So the internet wasn't that big of a deal. I remember going to a dinner party around Christmas time and the youngsters are saying, with all this internet stuff, we're going to run out of brick and mortar stores. They're not going to be there anymore. So it kind of took me back a little bit. But I was working at Strouds. We had about uh, 50, 60 stores across the country. And in this, what was literally a janitor's, formerly a janitor's closet, hmm. was our internet folks. And so I chatted them up a little bit. And they were able to sell things over the internet. They were there. They were customer service. They this and that. You start looking at the numbers. They were generating as much revenue as a standalone physical store. Hmm. At which point wow. I said, Hmm. There's something about this internet thing that's going on. And so what's happening now is these department stores, I mean, the old days when we grew up, the Macy's, the Gimbals, the Nordstrom's, all of those are having a difficult time if they cannot augment their sales through, their, through the internet. And so what's happening is for their e-commerce on that, I, I don't know, raise your hand if you bought some shoes at Zappos. I could have bought oh, them, yes, I, I have. I, right? I, I could have walked into Nordstrom's and sat down and did that. I get them that day, but now I go on Zappos, I get six of them to my house, I'm in my PJs, I try them on, it doesn't work, I send them back. Gosh, Nordstrom's, you got to do something more for me besides the piano guy. And so <laughs> it's, it's a very challenging retail environment, very, very challenging. Do you have tips for managers caught up in any type of a turnaround situation or a crisis situation at their employer? I mean, everybody's in this highly charged and stressed yeah, out environment. Right. Are there different ways to manage your teams, managing up and managing down? That's a really great question. And I think you're absolutely right. The stress level, which is now, which was in the old days, call it 10 years ago, was way low. Now it's high. And that's kind of like your baseline because there's competition coming from everywhere. 
And then what, one, of the, one of the biggest things you do is once I know that I've got cash for X amount, I need to turn around and look at my customers. I need to talk to my customers. And I think one of the biggest problems that happens in that weekly meeting, oh, by the way, don't have a weekly meeting on a Monday would be my recommendation. Have it on a Wednesday. At least people have two days to actually get their act together. So that when we get into that weekly meeting, which is gonna last for exactly one hour, no more, and if you can't come, meaning my, my lieutenants can't come, you gotta bring your second. Send your second, have them informed, because we're gonna make decisions. We gotta get stuff done. So those are, the, those, those are the first things that are going on when I look at the top management aspect of it, that the stress level's going on. Number one, go back and talk to your customers. Why are you still our customers? Why are you still here? Why are you not buying? The whys are the most important questions. And if you cannot connect with your customer, then you're just in a room by yourself saying, oh, you know, I think this is going to be a great color this year. No, you have to talk to your customers. You have to get out there. And you hear all the great stories of the, in the turnarounds, whether it's TWA or wherever you go back to, where the CEO goes undercover and he starts hanging out being a customer. When I did Barney's New York, the first thing I did before they knew who I was, I was working for John Brinko, one of the great turnaround uh, specialists of our time. I walked across the store, I walked, walked across the street and tried to return a pair of socks that I had bought at the other side of the street. And it took me probably 15 minutes and six different systems they had to go to. That's a little bit of an exaggeration. Wow. But the point was, I got to learn what it was like to be a customer. Now you're going, guys, we got to fix this. So once we have it stabilized, we know what our run is, what are we going to do different to our customers? And maybe our customers aren't there anymore. We need to find new ones. Mm -hmm. So what are we going to do? What does our competition look like? What are the skills that we have that we can leverage into new customers? So if you are a frontline manager or a middle manager, then you're a little bit closer to the customer than, than, than upper management is. Okay, what can you do then to take that information, pass that information up so it gets heard? You need to raise your hand. One of the beauties, one of, the beauties of a turnaround situation is that everybody knows, even from the, um, the uh, burrito truck that comes by, Mm -hmm. They know there's a problem. If senior management walks down and just talks to the people at the burrito truck, they're going to learn a whole lot. If you're the person at the burrito truck and management's not there, you need to go upstairs and raise your hand. And if they blow you off, it's time to find another job. Mm -hmm. because, and also, I mean, that's all you can do. And also, too, it's a great people to talk to in any organization. Uh, you know, it, or salespeople because salespeople, you know, have an opinion on everything and they love Correct. to talk. Yep, exactly. And in fact, one of the best ways to get competitive information is talk to their salespeople. That's right. Maybe they, maybe they have an opportunity if they came in for, for looking for a job. Well, while you're here, tell me a little bit about what your firm is doing. Mm -hmm. So you, uh, this is not a situation for slow pokes, you know, like, oh, you'll, 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 uh, you yep. say that this is turnaround situations require you to speed up in your assessment, analysis, and action. Can you explain what you mean by that? You know, and again, I'm old, so uh, <laughs> the aspect of that, I think it's happening today in almost every business. Everything is faster because there's so much competition out there. There's so many opportunities that are out there and people that are looking at it. The key becomes, um, as I teach entrepreneurship at, at the school, and, on, and turnarounds is a form of entrepreneurship, is that I need you to think big, act small, uh, think big, start small, act fast. So for example, if you think there's a market out there for your product or service, create a prototype and go out there and let it rip. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about, I have to do a 22 page plan. I need to do this. I need to get it through finance. 
Um, one of my colleagues, she used to work for Nestle's and Nestle's is probably going to go to the same way as Sears. Don't, you know, don't short the stock because of what I said, but I'm just saying is that since she had a comment called, it was called Nestle Nice. Nobody challenged each other in those meetings. They just went, don't rock the boat. It's okay. People are always going to want this stuff, et cetera. But in today's world, you need those challenges. You need that speed. You need that ability to go out there and question, why are we doing this? As opposed to, we always did this and, you know, I got paid every Friday. It's not going to work. There's a company that's only about 10 years old that mm-hmm. could, could also uh, perhaps uh, maybe need a little advice or at least some speculation anyway, Tesla. So let's say that you were given, uh, given that role or whatever. It's like, what would you do to change Tesla at all? Uh, they make great cars. A lot of people love them and everything like that. They, I mean, they're getting the production numbers up and everything like that. But man, you know, they, they're having, you know, they continue to have problems. That's a great question. I do have a problem, and I think it's starting to come home now a little bit, is that uh, when you start losing a billion dollars a quarter, and don't quote me on the price, but it's a lot of money a quarter, you know, even if you started PayPal, you start, you know, you start writing a couple of checks on that. So if I was Tesla, if I was going into Tesla, again, I need a cash flow forecast. Where are we and how much are we losing and when are we losing it? And at that point, I think what you need to do, in my view, is I need to focus on what's winning right now before I take a chance at what could be winning later on. Now, that's a tough management decision in terms of do I just want to focus on, I don't know, call it the three or the five or whatever their models are, and just do that one really, really well until I get my footing, because apparently there's been some production issues and all that. And I'm speaking only from, not from inside knowledge, but only from what I've read. So I got to focus on something here and get everybody rowing the same direction. And then those folks that are doing other things, I can, you know, I can sell SpaceX or something along to let somebody else do that so that I can focus on this one thing. So how much cash do I have? When do I need it? And then, all right, let's figure out what we can do best. And it might even be something new, a new market in which you're going to have to take a chance. But guess what? The best thing about being a turnaround guy is you walk in, you don't know anything. Hmm. So you can listen to everybody and say, what do we have going on here? What do we go have on here? And then that's where your value comes in is being able to make the judgment call in terms of what it is that, that we should do next. Audrey and I were talking last week about uh, Steve Jobs' second stint as, uh, in charge of Apple. When he came in, it's like they had over 200 different versions or varieties of Macintosh computer. And he, and he came down and wheeled it down to about three. Yep. And that's the first thing he did. And it's like, well, that, there's that focus you're talking about. And that's that focus. And you know what? A lot of people, you know, put their heart and soul into the other 193 of them, right? Or 197 of and them. And they fought back hard because right. you're killing my Mac. <laughs> exactly. And so the key on that point is this is big boy stuff. you got to be able to make those decisions. And I'm telling you, everybody thinks about turnaround people. So all you do is fire, fire, fire. Chainsaw Al back in the old days. That was the whole, that was the whole thing. Uh, but no, that's not the key is whenever we had to move someone on for whatever reason it was, I would have the people in that boardroom, boardroom, I call it my managers, my lieutenants come up to me. It's about time. We were pulling that guy's wagon for years. It's about time on that. So everybody knows you just got to stand tall and be able to say, this is it. And because you come in new, I have a significant advantage. I don't know these people. I don't know their children. I don't know where they went to school. I haven't been with them for 10 years. So it's really hard as you look in, um, uh, let's look at it as a sports analogy. You've been together with a, a coaching staff for 10 years. Now you've, you've figured out as the, 
head coach, I got to let these guys go. I need some new blood here and that stuff. That's difficult for me. It, it wasn't that, it isn't that hard. So you, you gravitate towards the people you're walking in with a blank slate, the people that are asking the why and are challenging the status Correct. quo and are sort of looking at all the processes. So for our audience, if you want to be a standout and, and the company is in crisis, this is how you can maybe save yourself. That's right. You got to be able to go in and come up with something, right? I need to come up with something and make it small. It's not, let's do a test. So let me do a test in two weeks. Because I talk about in, um, at the college now, because I'm now in academia, they look at a year or 18 months is really fast. I'm going, I, I can't see further than three months. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's eternity for me. And I think everything is moving at that fast and that pace. Yeah, so, you're going to have to slow your roll there, Tom. I know, a little bit. Yeah, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm going to go to the principal's office. I'm sure I'm going to be there. It's just when. I think there's some wagers going on in the over and under in terms of when I'm going to get called to the office. But uh, the, 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 the question of those aspects is, guys, we can see it, and the people on the front line can see it. Is it a good thing or a bad thing that academia moves so much slower than the real world? Oh, man, you ready for this? All my, all my people out there, all my peoples, my peeps, peeps who are going to listen to this, uh, education is ripe for disruption. Yeah. You're looking at Google, you're looking at Amazon and these people coming out on how people are going to consume education. They don't want to have to drive all the way over here because I mean, in LA, the traffic's horrible, right? Like most places. And so now I got to drive here. Now I got to drive there. And so now I need some stuff online, but then online, I don't want, I want some online. I need some of this, but I can't get the interaction with the professor that I'm really looking for. Um, I need something that's relevant. We don't need to be teaching things that no one can use in the workplace today. But every student coming out of uh, our Santa Monica's community college, a two-year college, needs to know Excel. You need to know what a cash flow is. You need to know what a break-even is. Now, I'm in the business department, and that's a little easier to say in terms of what needs to be done in those things. Um, but I can read the financials. I can see what's going on. Um, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for people that are motivated, that are excited. Look at Google education, Amazon education, Salesforce. These people need to educate folks. Uh, what is it? Coursera, Udemy. It is a, a general assembly. There's a lot of competition out there and they're doing some good stuff because they're responding to what the customers want. Do you want to talk about your class launching in spring of 2019? Because some of our audience, lawyers, accountants, consultants may want to uh, take yeah, part. Yeah, sign up for that stuff. In LA. Yeah, especially in, our, in LA. And I'm on the west side, called the west side of LA. And so I know there's a lot of lawyers here in that. And one of the things that we found, and one of the reasons we were successful as a very small firm, is that we knew how to sell. Sell meaning to provide value first to our customer. So... When I would, so while I create uh, the principal selling class for consultants, so it'd be, uh, I'm, think, I'm looking like a weekend or two weekends. So uh, a half day on Friday, all day Saturday, and then we'll move on two weeks, practice it, and then come back with some ideas on those things about how do you provide value as a consultant. I, I taught this once at a, uh, uh, a major consulting firm in New York City. And one of the, one of the key questions was, just, tell me a little bit about your presentation when you go in. And the first thing they start off with, uh, you know, we've been in business for 24 years. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Everybody knows that. That's the reason you're in this room. Mm -hmm. Talk to me. It's not about you, the salesman. It's about me, the customer. What do I want? After I buy you, what am I expecting? And the only way to understand that is to ask powerful questions. 
And these are powerful questions that are about them, the customer, not about, hey, look, uh, my copier goes 10,000 RPM. It's like, oh gosh, our firm's, our firm's done shoes for the last 25 years. They don't care. They care about themselves, particularly in a turnaround situation when I'm being interviewed by the CEO of the company. What is his concern or her concern? I love it. Well, if they I'm going to lose my job. Yeah. yeah. And so the first thing we say is, look, we've never, we've never started one at the Z Gallery. We've never built a $230 million business. You have. But what we have done is to keep this, this additional burden of a bankruptcy off, your, off of you so you can run your business and we'll help you go from here to there. And also whether it be true of salespeople or consultants is that, yeah, don't think for a second that they have not already been on Google. They've researched your company. They've researched yep. what everybody says about your company. They've researched you personally. That's right. Think up about you. So it's like they know all that stuff already. Oh, I mean, uh, you just gave me chills here in terms of that. I tell that in class all the time. It's like, look, if you walk into my office and say, tell me about your company. You're out. Oh, you're out. Yeah. You're out. Oh, yeah. You yeah. got to come with me ideas. You got to come with me with how do I make more revenue? How do I profit from this? Not save money. That's like too easy. How am I profiting from it? And so you can use your experience to say, when we're in these circumstances, this is what we did and this is how it worked out. It might be similar to you, but you should be t speaking only a third of the time. You got to be asking some questions. And oh, by the way, you can't make that up on the fly. You got to prepare it before you went in there, just like they prepared to see you. Yep. Homework is important. Do it in all ways. It ain't that hard anymore. No. I remember again when I was at Strouds, I, I called up the CFO and I said, Can you mail me an annual report? Because they were publicly traded. And mm -hmm. that's how we got our data. There you go. Uh, Tom, it's, uh, I'm going to spell this for everybody, Pacioretty. So LinkedIn, it's T Pacioretty. It's T-P-A-C-C-I-O-R-E-T-T-I. -T -T That's how you can reach Tom on LinkedIn. And then his Twitter is T Pacioretty, S as in Sam, M as in Mary C. Oh, Santa Monica uh, College, right? right. SMC. Yeah. And so, well, this has been great. Um, I hope everybody will reach out to you and get in touch with you. And uh, it's been such Anything? a pleasure. Anything I can do to help, particularly I'm going to make sure all the students hear this as well. And so connect, connecting people becomes one of the important things that we do. And anything I can do to help, uh, please let me know. Oh, oh, by the way, I'm the only Thomas Pacioretty on LinkedIn out of 400 million people. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So when students go, good. you know, cool. yeah, students go, you know, I had a difficult time connecting with you. Hmm. Let me <laughs> type in these words here. Just Google me. and. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, Thomas. It's been oh, a pleasure. You guys have been too much fun. I can't, I, can't, uh, I can't recommend you more to other folks. This is so much fun. Thanks a lot. All right, then. Ciao. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.